Guys, if you want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses 13 to 16 together. And these are some very familiar verses uh, that probably many of us have heard over and over again. The words of Jesus where he says, we are salt and light. Matthew 5 verses 13 to 16. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it underneath a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Brilliant. If you are new here today, uh, you're visiting us, then you are our guest. We hope you feel very, very welcome. If you've been with us for the past few weeks, you'll be aware that we've been journeying through a little bit of a mini-series called Salt and Light. And uh, we've been thinking together about um, what it looks like to be called to make a difference in the world around us, and particularly for us here as the church community at St. Thomas's in the centre of Newcastle. And we've looked at Jesus calling his disciples and inviting them into relationship with him, and how he then called them to do the same with other people. And today is the final sermon in this mini-series, and I'm praying certainly for, for myself and for you that we would definitely feel commissioned to make a difference wherever it is that God has called us to live our lives. Because I don't know about you, but I want to be someone that makes a difference in the world in which we live in. Now this challenge of us being salt and light isn't just for us as a church community. It isn't just for those who are on staff team here at St. Thomas's. It isn't for those who are in education or just in education or just in healthcare or the social sector. It isn't just for the retired or the unwaged. It is for everyone in every sphere of society because you and I can be light and salt in every aspect of the life in which we have and enjoy and share on planet Earth. And the message that Jesus gives us in this passage is absolutely clear, that what we carry in our hands and in our hearts isn't for us just to keep to ourselves. It's something that we carry in order to share with the world around us. You see, salt's purpose is to be used. What use is salt when it's kept in a jar? And light, the purpose of light, is so that people can see. Verse 16, Jesus says in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
You see, this challenge of us being salt and light isn't just for our own sake, isn't just for us to look and to feel great. It's actually so that we can give God all the glory and reveal that he is Lord of all. And this passage of salt and light comes right at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And in many ways, it actually sums up the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is light of the world. But then he calls us to be light in the world. What Jesus is doing is he's calling us all into partnership with him. And with salt... Jesus is the ultimate illustration of what it means to be salt. You see, what Jesus did was he quite literally poured himself out like seasoning for us, for you and for me, so that we could be the people that God created us to be, to be whole, to be flavorsome. And you see, his pouring out of his life has in turn preserved our lives eternally. It's full of promise of eternal life. And this is the gospel that we have in our hands, in our hearts. This is the gospel that we so urgently need to share with the rest of the world. What's the gospel message? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not die, but have eternal life. We're to be salt and light so that the world may know that death isn't the end, but Jesus came to give eternal life. And so this passage is all about an invitation, an invitation from Jesus to be like Jesus so that other people would come to know Jesus. So let's look a little bit deeper into what it means to be salt and light. And you may be asking the question, okay, what does it mean for me to be salt? What does it mean for me to be light? And these are, if we're honest, the very two simple and everyday things, aren't they? Salt and light. And they may be everyday things, they may be simple, but you are created to be different. You are created uniquely with a specific God-given purpose on your life. You are not created to be the same as your neighbor. You have a unique charge, name written above your heads from God Most High. Your salt, your light will look different from mine. And that's exactly how God created us to be. And so Jesus uses these two simple metaphors of how his disciples and we too are supposed to live in the world today. Salt and light. He's calling us to be salty people and to be people of light. Now what does salt do when you add it to, to a dish, to food? It brings out the flavor I was able to uh, enjoy a lovely roast beef dinner today with some friends that have come from York. And uh, I don't know if they noticed, but I got the little salt dish out. I love salt, okay, to the extreme where it's probably dangerous for my health. I love salt flakes and every bit of food I have, I'm 
lathering it with salt flakes. I just love it. Not because without it, the food is bland, because my lovely wife creates the most wonderful dishes. But salt, it brings out the flavor. And without it, food can sometimes be a little bland. And what does salt also do? It stops things from going bad. And it also causes people to thirst. You see, when you, drink, when you eat something salty, you instantly need a drink. And this is exactly the life that Jesus is calling us to live. You see, the world around us needs flavoring. The world needs preserving. And the world is absolutely thirsty for something to drink. And the world around us needs light. The world can be such a dark place for people to live. And Jesus is saying here in this commission to his disciples, you are to be salt and light. You have something unique to contribute to this world. Now, I don't know about your own story, uh, whether or not you're, you're a follower of Jesus or not. But if you are a follower of Jesus, then you will know for yourself that when you accepted him into your life, that everything about you changed. It certainly did for me. And when everything changes about us, it means that we begin to live a life that is different to other people in the world, those around us. And we live with a different identity within us. We are no longer slaves or orphans, but we are sons and daughters of God. We're living with a unique purpose and calling on our life. And so therefore, we absolutely should be different people. We should look and feel and smell and taste different to the world. Being salt and light is being Jesus to the world around us. So I want to look at three ways in which Salt is a good example of how we can live a life that is different. And the first one is this. Salt, as I said, brings out the flavor in food. Now, a couple of years ago, I had the real privilege of being in Spain on holiday with our friends Ben and Ellie. And uh, we went to Hereth, and some of our other friends said, you must go to this restaurant because they serve the most amazing steak. And uh, we were like, okay, let's give it, give it a try. And uh, believe me, we ordered this steak, and when it came out, it was an abundance on this plate. Sorry, vegetarians, but this was red, juicy, thick, meat. And on this plate, I've got a picture to show you. On this plate, there we go, look at that. There was a little bowl of salt. Now I'd never added salt to my steak before, so I was a little bit confused by that. And Ben said, no, but sprinkle the steak with a little bit of salt. So as you can see, we had our own little individual barbie going, and uh, sprinkled each steak with a bit of salt. And honestly, the flavor, the beef itself alone was beautiful. But as soon as the salt was added, it was as though that flavor 
intensified. A couple of years ago, I, um, well, quite a few years ago, I got a gift, a gift of three jars of different flavoured salt. And uh, there must have been about a kilogram of this stuff. And um, I kept it for about a decade, and I tried to keep using it, but it just never seemed to run out. And one day I was cooking, and I was adding a bit of this salt from one of the jars, and then I'd taste the food, and nothing seemed to change about this dish. So I kept adding more salt, and by this point it was probably a poisonous, toxic kind of dish. But I thought, what's going on? This salt is not making a difference. And then I tasted the salt on its own, and I twigged that the salt had quite literally lost its saltiness. Did you know that was a thing? I know the Bible tells us so, but I didn't actually realise it. Salt loses its saltiness. And do you know what? For you and for me, as salt can lose its saltiness, we too can sometimes lose a little bit of what God has given us if we stop living out what he has called us to do. You see, if we don't live out the things of the kingdom, we become useless. And in fact, in this passage we've just read, Jesus doesn't hold back. He's quite strong on this. He says that that kind of salt should be thrown away and trampled on. Wow. But there is something in you, in every single one of us here today, that God is placed in you for you to be different and to make a difference. You have something that can bring flavour to the world around you. Whether that's a personality that God has given you, a gift that he has blessed you with, or a calling over your life. You and me are called to bring flavour to the world around us. And so that means when we walk into somewhere, a place, whether it be a lecture theatre, a cinema theatre, or an operating theatre, we're to bring the flavour of Christ to that very place. Have you ever heard of the phrase, he's not worth his salt? Have you ever heard of that? He's not worth his salt. Well, that, come, that phrase comes from uh, Roman times. Because Roman soldiers were occasionally paid, not in money, but in salt. Because salt was a precious item. And you see, Jesus, it's no mistake that he uses the metaphor of salt. Because what Jesus is saying in using this, is he's saying, you are worth your salt. And not only that, he is saying, you are the salt of the earth. You are most precious. And maybe some of us here today need to hear that. That you are so precious to God. Now let's be honest. We, um, we hear this phrase, be salt and light in the world. Okay, okay. And we may have some good ideas of what that might look like. But let's be honest, sometimes being salty in the world is not easy. I don't know about you, but we have this ridiculous salt shaker at home, uh, which I detest, but it looks good on the dining room table. And you try and use it, and you're turning the top, and it's just like petty little grains come out. And I said before, I like the proper flakes of salt. And this thing is useless. 
It's absolutely useless. Salt is to be poured out. And sometimes being salty in the world is difficult. It's difficult. We only need to look at the life of Jesus. Because Jesus is the ultimate representation of salt. Because he flavors and he seasons everything that he touches. And his very being was shaken out on the cross for you and for me. You know, it's not easy to be salt sometimes, but it's always worth it. If you're regular here, you'll know that we're in the middle of a, a blog series that you can all visit on our website, stthomas.church forward slash blog. <laughs> and uh, we've got a series of different blogs written by a number of people in this church community. And you'll be aware that some of those stories have been really raw and honest, and people have made themselves vulnerable about what it's been like planting this church community here at St. Thomas's. You know, people have moved cities. People have given up friends, community, have left family, have had to sell houses or leave the homes they've loved. We've drawn from the very community that they were part of and saturated in, leave the luxury of life and make sacrifice. Just last week, Joel wrote a blog and I invite you to read his blog about his experience of trying to establish significant youth ministry here at St. Thomas's and in the city. But you see, obedience is always sandwiched with sacrifice. We're called to be obedient, but it doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. There's going to be sacrifice along the way. But we are called, nevertheless, to be people that bring the flavor, to bring the taste of Jesus to everywhere we go, and to be people of influence. The second thing is salt preserves. It preserves. You know, in Jesus' time, there were no fridges, no freezers, none of that. Uh, you'd be interested to know. So salt was used to preserve food and meat. It would literally be lathered on meat to preserve it. And Jesus in saying you are to be the salt, is saying to his disciples and to us today that you are to preserve the things around you in this world. You see, the world became a better place and was transformed because of the disciples following Jesus. And that's what we are to do today. We're to live a life that stops the world from going bad. You see, when we live in the culture in this city, wherever it is that we live and work and spend our days, what we do is we rub shoulders, like Jesus, with the very people who are far from God. And because of our presence in the world and community, we stop the world from going bad. We are called to preserve the world around us. And this should be absolutely true for our presence here in this city 
Because we believe at St. Thomas's that we have a distinctive call to love Newcastle sincerely. There's a call on us to preserve the world around us. You know, it's easy, isn't it, sometimes for us to look at the world and to switch on the news and just to think about how bad the world around us is. But Jesus is saying that if you think the world is going off, it might actually be the disciples' fault. Because if you think about it, a piece of meat, when it goes off, and you know when it goes off, don't you? It goes a funny colour, you get that shine sometimes on it, and it begins to smell terribly. But who's to blame? Is it the piece of meat sat on the side? Or is it the method of preservation? And you see, it's no good for us to be constantly whinging and complaining and moaning about the injustices in the world. Because God has placed us in this world to be salt and light. And so we need to get out and do something and be the salt that stops the world from going bad. And the third thing to do with salt is it causes us to feel thirsty. And you see, we're called to live lives that makes other people feel thirsty. So that when people look at the way we live, the way we speak to one another, the way we respect one another and love each other, that, that people get thirsty and they want something of that for themselves. I don't know about your story uh, necessarily, but for mine, I became a Christian when I was 10 years old. I, I grew up in a, a non-Christian family, and um, I knew that a few doors down from my house was a Christian family. And to be honest, I spent um, quite a lot of my time trying to avoid them, uh, because they were always Bible underhand and tried every opportunity to tell me about this crazy man called Jesus Christ. And uh, one day I noticed in their front window, they always had posters up saying Jesus is the light of the world and uh, repent, the end is nigh and things like that. One day there wasn't a piece of scripture in their window. There was a poster advertising a football soccer school during the summer holidays for one week. And I thought I'd love to go to that. Surely there will be nothing Christian or Jesus about it. And oh, how wrong I was. Every single day at lunchtime, they marched us down to the church. And before we were allowed our pat lunch, they made us sit in a Bible study. Then we were allowed our pat lunch. And I'm thinking, let's just get straight back on the football field. Oh, no, we had to listen to some guy give a story and talk about Jesus. A full week of this. By the last day, I was ready for it to stop. But this guy called Graham, he stood up. And as he was talking, my attention was caught on this man. And I started to look in his eyes. And he was sharing about the love of Jesus and what he had done for me. And as he was sharing this, I looked at him and I looked at all the other people, the grown-ups in the room. And I realized, you're not doing this so that I can learn football. You're doing this so I can come to know this man, Jesus Christ. And I looked at him and I thought, you have something in your life that I don't have in mine. And in that moment, I thought, 
I want what you have got. And within a couple of minutes, he asked if anyone wanted to give their life to Jesus. And I did. I became a Christian. I saw something different in this man. And that's exactly how we are all supposed to live our lives. To make people thirsty because we are like salt. And Jesus is saying to every single one of us here today, don't lose your saltiness. You see, salt is an agent of change, of influence. When you introduce it to something, the whole environment changes. Everything about it changes. Will we be the salt, the flavor of Jesus who heals, restores, forgives, and brings new life? So don't lose your saltiness because it changes absolutely everything. You are the salt of the earth. Now the second metaphor here is light. Salt and light. Jesus says you are like a city built on a hill. It cannot be hidden. And the imagery, if you imagine, is all about this city on this high hill and imagine it at night time, the lights glowing. You know, the history um, researchers, they, they, they say that actually in Jesus' time, cities could be seen for hundreds of miles away from the, in the desert because there were no artificial lights, there were no street lights, there was no pollution. It was the simple glow from these cities, and it could be seen from hundreds of miles away, even from the desert. You see this warm glow radiated from above the city. People would have been drawn in from afar. And that's how we are supposed to live. We are supposed to be that warm glow, the light of Jesus, that we radiate, that glows brightly, that shines so that people who are a long way off in their relationship with God, far away from him, would see the goodness of God in us through the way we live our lives. That people would be drawn in to this city of light, which is the kingdom of God. Now you see, like I said, Jesus didn't, uh, by accident, use the metaphors of salt, and it's no accident that he used the metaphor of light. You see, what he's doing here is he's referring to a passage back in Isaiah. If you want to turn to it, then feel free. It's in Isaiah chapter 42. So this was an old, old metaphor. And Isaiah uses this metaphor of light. And he says to the nation, the people of Israel, over and over again, you are called to shine. You are called to shine. Isaiah 42, verse 6. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. Why? To open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Nation Israel was created to 
to shine. As a place and as a people. A light to the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Non-Jews, i.e. the whole earth. And you see, repeatedly, Isaiah says to Israel, you are to shine. But each time, they fail. And there's a persistence from Isaiah. He's saying, come on, crack on, get on with this. And so Jesus comes along and he stands on this mountain and he says afresh, you are to be light of the world. No longer is it just for Israel, it's for you, it's for the entire world. What's the town on a hill? Jerusalem, the absolute epicenter of the Christian faith and tradition. But now Jesus is saying, you are going to be a town on that hill, one that shines brightly. You are going to be the new Jerusalem. You are going to shine. You see, we are supposed to unashamedly live for Jesus in our lives. Let the light of Jesus shine brightly for everyone to see. And light is powerful. It brings people home. It brings comfort. It restores the soul. It gives hope. When there's so much darkness, the world needs light. At Christmas time, um, we were um, staying with some friends and uh, we were just getting the girls ready for bed. And uh, if you have young kids, if you grandkids, whatever, you all know bedtime, bath time is one of the most stressful times of the day. And uh, this particular day was no different. We were at a visitor's house. The kids were running up and down the stairs naked. Trying to catch hold of them was an absolute nightmare. And all of a sudden, Phoebe's halfway up the stairs in this house, which she's not familiar with, really. And there is a power cut. Middle of winter, pitch black. All of a sudden, everyone freezes. Phoebe screams. She is in a state of despair. Never has this happened to her before, but she is faced with unimaginable darkness and you could sense and feel and hear the fear within her. The scream was, it went right to the core of you as her parent. And so Rachel tried to navigate in the darkness up the stairs using her hands and eventually managed to find her. And at this point, the lights came back on. But you see what happened to Phoebe in that moment of darkness? It wasn't good. It was petrifying. It wasn't meant to happen. There was meant to be light. And only in light was there safety and was there hope. And we live in this world today that is crying out, that is making a scream in this dark, dark world, desperate for the unimaginable darkness to be pierced with the light of Jesus Christ. And God has charged us through Jesus for us to be the salt and light. 
Now, here's the other thing. Can you imagine if you have a tub of salt, you buy a fresh tub from the supermarket, and you want to flavor a dish? You don't add the full tub of salt to one dish. That would be disgusting and would probably kill you. You spread it out. You share it. You disperse it among many, many dishes. And with light, one light on its own, it can be dim. But you put a, full, a few lights on and things really shine. You see, a city of lights together makes an impact. And so we've got two metaphors of salt that needs to be dispersed and light that needs to be gathered in order for it to make an impact. And here's the challenge for us here at St. Thomas's. We need to be that church that loves to gather like this on a Sunday. We need to prioritize this time of gathering as family, brothers and sisters, even when we don't feel like leaving our house on a stormy day. This is important. You may not feel it's important for you, but it's important for, for us, brothers and sisters, that you are here and that we gather together as family. But here's the challenge, because that can be the easy bit. The challenge is for us to then disperse. It's easy for us, isn't it, to gather here on a Sunday to worship God with some top-notch Johnson Porter tunes, to taste the wonderful artisan coffee that's on display, to listen to a talk, to crack on, get off home in time for Call the Midwife. That's the easy bit. The challenging bit is to disperse. And if I'm being honest, one of the most petrifying things for me and my faith is sharing my Christian faith with my family. It petrifies me. But you see, Jesus is calling us to be both and. He's calling us to be salt that is created to disperse. And he's calling us to be light that gathers. Now, some of us here today and myself included, we're hiding that light. We're hiding it under the lampstand. And today maybe is the challenge for you to take off that light stand and to make your light shine in the world. Maybe there's some of us here and we're just embarrassed to be a Christian. Some of us are ashamed Maybe because it's something we've done, a lifestyle, a habit that we've uh, taken part in in our life. Maybe it's something we are carrying, a burden, and we're ashamed and we struggle to be salt and light. Some of us are fearful of what the world may think of us, our friends, our family, if we begin to take seriously being salt and light in the world. And if we're being honest, there's maybe one or two of us sat here today and we're struggling in believing ourselves, believing that God would choose to invite me to be salt and light. You maybe think you're not good enough. Maybe you think Jesus couldn't possibly use you because of what you've done or what you've said in the past or what has been done to you. 
You are salt and light. And this is our charge today. We absolutely must take this with most seriousness. We must pick it up and we must take it with us. That we are salt and light. That we are the new Jerusalem. 